you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd case yeah it's just a matter of uh say having time to and i read like i saw i been i finally pick, picked up um and it had it but i finally started reading mycroft holmes and oh yeah, uh, yeah. it was really good and uh that i started reading the star trek discovery novel which is interesting i'm likening star trek novels most of the time are like hardy boy books like they're just kind of plots that you just kind of well that's good it's it, 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 so far so good yeah but it's interesting that it's such a, a far prequel to what's happening in the TV series it is a prequel so it's her it is a prequel yeah. it is you know setting up well, I think they've they've set up she's an, a nicely created character there's plenty of space for her to have prequel stories and the, yeah this is especially with her pseudo brother. I think it's four or five years. Yes, he makes a cameo so far. Oh, I in, imagine. In, uh, which I, I think people don't realize that much. The, the, the novel um, is, what is the, sh- the first ship she was on? Um, the Quenchou? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Uh, the one that Michelle Yao is the, is right, the captain right. of. And then there is a mention of, there's a scene set on the Enterprise of Christopher Captain Pike and Spock oh, okay. and going like well should we help and I'm not far enough to know if they do come to the rescue or not but it was just nice it was you know it was David Mack definitely this is where it fits in the sort of in the timeline and oh right. look here are your characters from the cage you might, you might remember them you might like them you know so it's kind of good um, and this one, and of course then late at night I I do a couple of push ups and then I pick up Hamilton and I go <laughs> so heavy. Um, so. You should lie on your back and hold it above your no, head. No, that is what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Little book presses. No, yes, yes, yes. And Small I, press. And comics. And last night was, you know, I did take the time to read all the uh, metal, the, the, the Dark Knight, um, the Batman. Oh, you got caught up on the, yeah. I got caught up on, on, on the three of those that have come mm-hmm. out. So. so you haven't read the one that came out today? Oh, no, that's actually metal. Right. So, so yes, I, I read the one shots. Right. That were that, that the Flash, uh, the Cyborg, Cyborg and Green, and Green Lantern. So, and we'll probably talk about that later. So let's get into it. Right. This is uh, Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting live from the apocalypse. Uh, <laughs> sitting, at, it just kind of looked like that in the sky today. I was seriously thinking about going and finding a, any place I could buy a tank of oxygen from. Yeah. I've heard Did you ever read of- the Poison Belt by Arthur Conan Doyle? No, yeah. but you should probably introduce yourself. Anyway, I'm sitting here with the Apocalypse, uh, the guy trying to keep order uh, of the Apocalypse right now and keeping things under control. No amount of dial spinning will do that. <laughs> I'm Rick. Unfortunately, 
I'm Rick dials? <laughs> there are dials right across the top. Oh, here. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I see that. All right. So, yes. Uh, anyway, we've got some uh, comics news, movie news, some TV news, and we'll be talking about that later tonight. Thank you for choosing Fanboy Planet as one of your p- favorite podcasts, right? Uh, and, of course, if uh, anything we talk about on the show tonight is something that you can purchase legally and you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store, I do want to support local businesses, especially comic shops, uh, but you can't find it there, you can go to the Amazon link, which is on fanboyplanet.com. Lately, when you say brick and mortar, I replace it with Rick, Rick and Morty. Morty. I know you yeah. do, because you might have an issue. Yeah. And that's okay. We'll get back to that, it's too. Twitch. This whole thing is, you know, it's it's an intervention tonight. Um, <laughs> For who? Uh, Debbie's coming in. She's totally going to, yeah, anyway. Uh, so you can use the Amazon.com link and, and purchase uh, books and toys and many things there, as well as you can also go to the thinkgeek.com site and uh, they got some interesting halloween stuff coming up so uh you might want to go there uh we are affiliated with them and we get both of those sites we get small uh remuneration kickbacks for uh sending you their way and if you'd just like to help defray the cost of uh hosting a podcast on a website uh you can go to paypal and at editor at fanboyplanet.com as well as if you have any questions compliments commentary criticism anything at all let us know any kind of feedback we'd love it we would welcome it and uh that too is editor at fanboyplanet.com so let's get into it our top story tonight you know strangely in there's hurricanes there's fires there was an earthquake you know there was an earthquake it does feel like it's the apocalypse sometime but you know what the real sign was because i think it was the breaking of the seventh packet of (laughs) of (laughs) Of Szechuan Are sauce there seven? So and McDonald's, there's seven, seven seals. Well, there were eight posters, so I don't okay, know. Okay, I, you know, okay. I don't know. But the but the the fact that this dominated, you know, the news cycle, it, it's like I, I was I was I was grateful to see, you know, sometimes the, the like even in the news stories, there's this. Oh, I've got people actually complaining about the actual how the football games were being played on Sunday. Right. In addition to all the you know the, right. the, all the other things, the protest of the protest, things. and I'm like, oh, there are people still caring about football. We may just get through all this. Now I don't know that caring about Szechuan sauce is that big. And let's let, give background for people that don't know because just because you listen to the Fanboy Planet podcast doesn't mean you're a Rick and Morty fan. I still love you. Or a McDonald's fan. Uh, you know, Rick may have an issue right now, but um, that's because it's, it's just jam right now. I'm totally turning the listeners against you. Anyway, on the – I know. I saw that. <laughs> uh, he's wearing a Pickle Rick T-shirt. Um, so, anyway, at uh, the season opener, right, was the, it was the first episode. The season opener season, was the first one. That's, that's the uh, – that was the only reference. This is the, that's the thing too. Is remember, right. this was a throwaway joke that has never been referenced again on the show. Right. Uh, but the end of of the season opener of season three, which was the April Fool's Day, they showed it all day long, as well. And it was way ahead of the yes, <laughs> episode. Two. Yes, which is why now there's a conspiracy theory that that, that um, there may be a new season finale hidden away. Like for Christmas, they may show that. That'd be cool. Which would be the ultimate Doctor Who parody, right. I think. Especially if, you, if it's a Doctor Who parody. Yes, exactly. Because uh, they keep referencing that. Uh-huh. But anyway, at the end of that episode, uh, Rick Sanchez, the titular Rick of Rick and Morty, revealed that everything he had been doing uh, was because he was trying to find the... Incredible machination, the, bringing down civilization. The reality in which McDonald's had never stopped selling the... Szechuan sauce, or for those of you 
who uh, go to Chinese restaurants, uh, essentially plum sauce. Uh, but it was a tie-in with Mulan back in, what year was that, 97, 96? Uh, you know, it, it, it's all a blur. I know, but I usually am pretty good about where when Disney movies came out. So it's odd that we're going to go from Disney to Rick and Morty. It's really opposite ends of the animation spectrum. Uh, and uh, anyway, he said that that was what he was doing. Now, uh, Justin Roiland, one of, the, one of the creators of Rick and Morty, was gifted by McDonald's with a vat. I believe it was a gallon container of uh, the Szechuan sauce. And then some... Uh, let me also unpack that joke, being that... Um, Rick, June 5th, 1998. Oh, it's a year off. Dang it. Uh, that, uh, that Rick Sanchez is a very damaged human being. He is ver- a very funny character, but he's he's very damaged. And part of the joke, I will go with this interpretation, was... Sociopathic that he is so, That life is so meaningless that the stupidest possible thing you could imagine would be that motivation. Um, right. And... But the show has never referenced it again, and I think this season and, – and I wanted to throw this as our top story because I know last week at the end you said like, oh, we didn't talk about Rick and Morty. And I think this is the opportunity to really talk about the brilliance of the show and now that we've had the especially. third season of watching a very damaged person right. who is darn near omnipotent – Yet be so petty and so shallow right. at the same, you know, he's not someone to admire. And the interesting thing I see in Ark is, you know, Morty is definitely, though not necessarily conscious of it, becoming like Rick and trying very hard not when he oh, catches no, he himself being. He definitely slips into it. Yeah, but yeah. he but occasionally has moments of awareness and goes uh, and, and tries to pull back. Right. So it, it, it's a, it's and that's a, when disaster strikes. It's a really interesting show. And I, I before I get to the the McDonald's controversy, right, is that I I mea culpa and have to say to everyone what uh, what Rick Brett Schneider said to me years ago was I watched the pilot episode I was unimpressed and then uh, I believe and you'll probably find the tape. The audio where you said no it gets so much better and then i was on a business trip and i was bored one night in the hotel and i went hulu has it i will watch a couple of episodes and give it another chance and i was absolutely hooked and binged two seasons in a week one night in a hotel room <laughs> no like i because i had work to do later you know i had to be awake the next day but it was but it was something where i was like okay the premise of the pilot which now even justin roy admits he just wanted to get a cease and desist letter when From it was Spielberg. No, yeah uh, because the uh, I can't remember what thing it, 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 its origins were in channel 101 which was this it briefly had a show on one of the networks I can't I think sci-fi might have had it or USA and um, but it was a show that uh, that uh, Dan Harmon and uh, oh I'm now I'm blanking the guy who that Dan, was Dan's partner or that Dan helped support through uh, Scud the Disposable Assassin um, dog on it. Uh, they were both guys from comedy sports in in, in uh, Madison. Anyway, uh, oh, I take that back. They were in Milwaukee, and uh, the comedy sports trivia matters to me. And and they would rent a theater once. A, I think it was once a month, and it was called Channel One Hundred One. And people had five hundred dollars to develop a pilot, like a five minute show. And so you'd have a festival, and everybody would vote. 
to the audience would come and vote and say which pilot gets a second episode. So you'd it was it was this battle of ridiculous TV parodies and a lot of people I knew from comedy sports were involved in this. Derek Mears, Chris Tallman, who's now on the Thundermans. Uh, so they are they were actually produced shows, or were they, they were actually produced shows? So there was a short of Rick and Morty, and the whole thing was he was hoping to get a cease and desist because he'd done another project where he got a cease and desist from whatever the copyright holder of that. So we want to do this Back to the Future parody that right. would make everybody right. that would make Spielberg notice him basically. So it was a joke, and that's what the pilot felt like to me. Is like oh, it's a, it's a one note right. joke, and then became something absolutely brilliant and some of the best science fiction on television and this is all warming up to to say that a week before last saturday when at less than a week before last saturday when mcdonald's had announced there would be szechuan sauce available for a limited time i'm not even ready to talk about how limited that time was (laughs) and how limited that sauce was uh adult swim cartoon network released the news that rick and morty is the number one comedy on television right now. Now, this is qualified because this is how the business works with the key demographics, ah. which uh, caused me to say, ah, I have accepted on Facebook, I have accepted that I am not uh, within the, the desire to the key demographic because it's number one with 18 to 24, and I think it's 30 to 35. And so these are the, so those six years between twenty four and thirty lost years, lost uh. years. Nobody knows. They're millennials. Nobody wants. Uh, I, yeah. don't, I don't know what's after the millennials. Is it Generation Zero? Is that what? This, no, we keep trying to throw a zero at, it, at people. I, I don't know what they are, but uh, but it is the key thing. So I'm thinking, and we were recording the podcast last week uh, on on Tuesday night, and I think the news had come out that day. Yeah, and I had seen headlines that the Szechuan sauce was coming back. We were recording late that Tuesday night, and I got a text message from my son saying, "Hey, and you forwarded it to me that night too." When I told, yeah, yeah, I said, "You, uh, not his text message, but the, but, but the, the info." The, the uh, I said, link. "You know, I said you uh, have." And my son said, uh, "You know, you had me this weekend. McDonald's is doing this promotion. I would very much like to." To taste this sauce, <laughs> and uh, I said, you know, that sounds fun. I mean, you know, I like to find you're old enough to taste the sauce. Taste the sauce. I, it's kind of fun, and, and I mean, it's just a silly thing. And that's how I was approaching it. Like, oh, what a clever thing for McDonald's to do. That's neat. Yeah, yeah, that's worth. You know, I wouldn't. I don't. I don't remember the sauce so greatly. Like, oh my gosh, it's the best. Because, like no. I said, it's pretty much it's plum sauce. Uh, you know, so. <laughs> I'm not even sure it's it's really plum sauce. I always got the kind of a red gelatinous. Well, I'm going to go with like, again yeah. what uh, J. Dobbs Rosa, occasional contributor, yeah. said was, "Why don't you just combine barbecue and sweet and sour like the rest of us?" Now, Rick adjusted that uh, that recipe and said it, it takes two sweet and sours to one barbecue. Rick, me. Rick Brett Schneider, right? Not Rick. I, I was trying. I don't know if you could hear. It was a subtlety, a little glottal stop where I, I, you don't I left the, the K, K off. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. did. I did. It was know. way too subtle. Well, I usually am. You uh, don't record in high def. Oh, really? No. Oh, okay. So donate at to editor <laughs> at fanboyplanet.com. Anyway, uh, <laughs> really? We're not 4K delivery? <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> because the files are too big as I've they are. I've got one C. That's one cup of coffee. Tonight we were brought to you by 7-Eleven. There you go. Uh, distinctive signature blend. 
anyway, uh, so it all sounded fun. And I, I and it turned out that in Santa Clara County, uh, there were several restaurants participating. But here's where McDonald's here's McDonald's first mistake um, <laughs> is that not all part, restaurants participating in the promotion were actually getting the sauce. Like one in ten. I think so. Um, and there were some states that didn't have it at all, and people were driving across state lines. I'm, you know, I'm not kidding. It, it's like, which is illegal. Some you know, no, not for transporting sauce. sauce not for across sauce. State no, lines. not for sauce. Only live vegetables. Um, hmm. uh, Screaming pickles. Well, yeah, oh, it does tie in. Or congressman. So uh, anyway, that uh, it, it was like one in ten, and in the Santa Clara County, basically only one restaurant in San Jose was actually going to carry the sauce. So this is to be released. San Jose with a population larger than San Francisco for anyone keeping So, so over a million people, yeah. uh, all of whom uh, showed up. Uh, no, it was actually, this was counted. It was over 1,000 people showing up for uh, a release at 2 p.m. on Saturday afternoon of 20 packets of sauce. 1,000 people. Now, that was just San Jose. And by the way, the worst thing we did, and I say we, my son and I drove up two hours before, uh, you know, like I used about 12, 15. And we saw the line and said, no, we're going home. Don't don't worry about it. You know, it, it's disappointing, but oh, well, there's just no way we're going to get the sauce. San Jose was well behaved in that they only stormed the restaurant and chanted, uh, give us sauce. <laughs> um, there was a stabbing in Los Angeles. There was fist fights. I think it was in Atlanta they had to call the police out. I've heard there were other places, but I know that Atlanta was one where they had to call the police. And photos were posted online of of police line keeping people out. When we found out the dates and the limitation of the actual sauce, I was going to Convolution. And there was nothing in that area. I could have gone to Berkeley or driven back down to San Jose. Berkeley was a little closer. But I looked at that and I said... There's going to be reasons not to be at these places for for that well, kind of. Promo. I kind of cross reference a little bit because I I thought well maybe if we can't my daughter could go I don't you know not that she watches the show but maybe she could pick something up sure. for her brother and uh, where she is I, I won't I won't name it you know to protect her is but her college town was not participating at all. Uh, no, I take that back. They were participating, but they had the posters, posters only. Yeah. And I thought, places with college towns where it's, again, 18 to 24, uh-huh. the key demographic, demographic, and this is a show, it's a show for every... Time on their hands. Well, I, you know, I'm just saying... Entitlement. It, college students, absolutely. And, well, you, you hit the big E word. Let me say this, is Rick and Morty fans... Get a bad rap, especially after this because of the violence and so forth. But I think we just saw a microcosm of a problem with fandom in general. Mm. And But when I say fandom, I mean everybody because everybody's a fan of something. Let's just say you had done a, an NFL promotion. Yes. So Raiders fans were told there was limited edition Raiders sauce in one restaurant in 
mm, let's not even say, let's say Richmond, outside of Oakland, uh, in Richmond, and there were only going to be 20 packets. You know, I, I agree with you, but I think... The only place this would have been okay was L.A. because nobody goes to the Chargers. But uh, it's still... Please, that is the one sports joke I could make all year long. I had to let that one go. But uh, I just think... I, we were talking earlier at dinner. You go to Comic-Con. You see people lined up for exclusives there. Um, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I'm going to say there's another, there's another element to this, which is for advertisers, a promotion connecting them to the Rick and Morty show is probably considered fairly toxic. Just from the content of that show mm -hmm. and trying to sell into middle America, which is what they all are concerned about getting getting uh, having mothers against uh, McDonald's all of a sudden found ma'am <laughs> yeah ma'am ma'am <laughs> so um, million moms against McDonald's I love it the idea that fans were able to find a corporate endorsed the rarity of this goes up quite a bit more when it's something like Rick and Morty and there's a, like a national time. Well, and there is no way that McDonald's is going to officially form an no, alliance with Adult didn't. Swim. Yeah. Cartoon Network, maybe. Right. But uh, not Adult Swim. And, and remember that this is also a promotion tied in with, I mean, it has its origins in an animated Disney film. So, yeah. uh, you know, it was a tricky road, a, a tricky line to walk. And I think the concept was right. Absolutely. Don't officially say it. But the other problem is not only then you also have, I, and I'm also going to say, I, and there are people that probably aren't Rick and Morty fans because you, you confirm for me right. that these packets are selling online for, I know people were putting them up for 1000 bucks on Saturday. But the highest it sold for was 350 But let's be honest, $350, that's insane. Now, let me, let me caution. I worked for eBay for a little while, and I can tell you that I suspect that some number of those that did sell, quote unquote, sell um, at those higher prices, never, never actually got a, an exchange of money. That they they didn't um, they didn't actually sell. That just mm -hmm. the the well, I'll tell you, the, the uh, deal uh, closed, but and somebody the other defaulted. Thing, by Sunday, yeah, McDonald's had realized their mistake, right? And they're going to bring it back later. But I, my larger point is. Again, you know, I, I'm sure that flippers came into this and mm -hmm. people that are going to be dealers oh, and sure. going to be collectors. Oh, sure. Because I read that every year. At Comic -Con, that happens every year. Like how to pay for, your, pay for Comic Con. Right. And I'm like, then why are you even going to Comic Con if all you're going to do is stand in line? Right. And at the prices I'm paying, I better doggone well have a good time mm -hmm. being a Comic Con. And, and standing in line is, is great fun, but it's not a good time. No, I, I my legs go numb. <laughs> know. Uh, you know, I, I even with good walking shoes. Oh, that's the old fans. Well, we should we should talk a little bit about that that additional notice from McDonald's, which again didn't mention Rick and Morty. It did mention fans, and it was written yeah. in kind of a lighthearted, almost as if it was scripted by, you know, Harmon or somebody on the show. Yeah. Uh, but still not not connecting themselves to the show, just the just yeah. realizing and apologizing greatly for the mistake they yeah, made. Yeah, well, like I said, I, like I said they did correct it. it, right. it it's and that's what they should have done because there are plenty of people that are like, oh, a new sauce. Mm -hmm. It's a reality. McDonald's in, in, because they also did this buttermilk chicken tenders thing, which I will right. admit uh, tastes better than and, chicken McNuggets. But you also ran into a shortage. 
Right, two nights before. Yeah, so uh, it, it's to which uh, a friend was like, "How how can they run out of these things? Like because <laughs> they make them and they ship them. They're not they ran re- out of chickens. They're not really slaughtering the chickens there on site." Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's the thing is when the, you know all of that would be brilliant. No, no, you have a new. Uh, you know, you, you when they have a new product or even the revival. I mean, look at the madness of a McRib, which oh, is yeah. not a sandwich I'm into, but um, there are people that love their McRibs, and when that um, you know comes back, there's like, oh, we gotta go. I've told you about the McRib, right? It's available 365 days a year in Germany. Okay, because it, it McDonald's knows that at least in the U.S., when we when we artificially create scarcity, right. We, you know, that's then. Then they get they they get. It. And so why the Shamrock Shake is only, and I'll be doggone. I'll be honest. Every year it's <laughs> March. Huh, I gotta have a Shamrock Shake, yeah. you know. So I'm programmed that way, and I would feel the same way. It's just you know, give me a give me a fair shot at getting the the sauce. But to me, especially with uh, things being the way they are in this country right now, it's like I think we just need to just get over ourselves and our sense of we got to have this collectible we got to have this experience oh yeah and we need to be a little nicer to each other and i it's not rick and morty fans that that i blame for that i mean i like i said i think it's everybody i think it's it's no matter what the fandom is something like this would have gone pretty much as horribly everybody from transformers collectors to the funko pop uh, I was even going to say maybe not My Little Pony, and then I realized, are you kidding? Those bronies can oh. get vicious. They've got those hooves, and yeah. they can go down. I, Horse bites. Oh. Well, you know, somebody I had to explain to somebody who said I took my daughter to see My Little Pony, and uh, there were three middle-aged men sitting alone, <laughs> and I said they're just bronies. It yeah. really, you really they're don't have to think, You really don't think that had to be that didn't have to be anything creepy. It probably isn't. And the guy said, "Really?" And I said, "Yeah." I mean, there's a pretty good cast in that movie, so I would probably go see it. But a little call out to uh, Dusty Ayers, I think was his name, Dusty, uh, voice actor who was at Convolution this this weekend. Oh yeah, who also says that he is the manliest brony. That's his uh, that's his subtitle to his name, the manliest brony. He's a quite manly man. Beard almost as thick as yours. Mine's not very thick. Well, though. I'm just kidding. I, well, I'm just saying it's like I don't know. I feel like the manly saying the manliest brony is what are you hiding? What are you compensating for? I don't know the guy. I'm not trying to insult him. It's like be a brony. Got be, a deep silky voice. Just be a brony. I'm it. He's, he's just, doing well in the voice acting. Yeah. But that's not always what does it. You know, it's like I interviewed not to remember this guy, but remember the the animated Iron Man movie, right? Um, Mark Warden. Right. Uh, I interviewed him, a Mouseketeer whose voice went down to the baritone. Right. It was like we had this great conversation. And it was before, I think it was before I was doing the podcast. So it was, I unfortunately don't have that like for people to listen to, but the two of us were like, you know, just uh, out deepening each other. Deep in the sea. But I look and it's like, yeah, he gets video game stuff. But it, but aside from being that, that Iron Man, which now you can't. That's not the voice anybody gives Tony Stark because right. now everybody's doing a Robert Downey Robert Jr. Downey impersonation. Jr. Yeah. So you're all kind of more like this and just like, hey, come on. You know, <laughs> like if you watch the animated series, yeah. that who I can't remember who it is that's doing it, is doing a dead-on Robert Downey Jr. But And I think that's who's doing it in the parks too. 
uh, because it, it definitely the show where Iron Man comes and speaks is like that's the same voice, you know. But um, but it's just interesting. It, it's yeah. Let's we don't want to get there. Let's get to comics. I mean, we've done enough on on Rick and Morty and Szechuan Sauce and oh, the one yeah. I just wanted we were talking about how great the show is, but I, there was one other thing I wanted to mention about it. That show is amazing in the density of what they get through in plot. Yeah, like time check yourself at 10 minutes in the show and see what they've done already it's like 10 minutes of that show would fill 10 minutes of almost any uh, would fill a half an hour or an hour of most any other show and it show. definitely re- rewards rewatching yeah. i've been going back and oh, doing yeah. that and i mean i think in the season ender this year if it is indeed the season ender <laughs> um that's, that's my little the ender keith, so my far. little keith david uh, we're gonna play this Ender's game a lot. That know. he, uh, that the joke when Morty says, uh, Morty says oh, that's really cool, you know, and, and Rick says, yeah, South Park did it. And he goes, wow, they're fast. He goes, well, we're really slow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but I'm I'm for that in that when you think it says only thirty three or thirty four episodes total so far, probably in yeah. three seasons, it's like the Venture Brothers. If what you get is so and we'll probably circle back to that at the end tonight talking about tv if what you get is so quality yeah i'm not a big fan of those one of the of the couple of episodes where they kind of improvise the tv shows like those were very hit and miss mm-hmm. alternate universe stuff but everything else is so good and the plot around those tv shows is so good right that it, it's like okay there's not a dud. There's not a really an out and out dud. No. So if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. You know, I, I'll wait. I'm hoping I live. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping that Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon live long enough to finish it. You know, so are they? I'm pretty sure. So let's get to comics, shall we? Uh, we're comics. gonna we're gonna do you know a little what's in the bag and rush through. But I did want to call out that last week was New York Comic Con, which almost every pro I know felt very crowded and rushed and. Um, really, it, it was over. Yeah, yeah. It, they uh, they have a facility there as big as the Javits the- Center is is big, but they uh, one comment I've heard is that that the fire marshal in New York City must have underestimated the drastically the size, the capacity, the capacity, or over uh, overestimated the capacity, the capacity, so that it just felt like felt really crowded, but. There they had a panel where DC announced that Milestone is finally coming back. They have a firm, firm-ish. Excellent. Excellent. A firm-ish. Spring 2018. Um, so let me run down because I think this is a, because a couple things happened that I think are, are, are we're saying is there was a, a Marvel retailer uh, meeting uh, Thursday before Comic-Con in which a retailer who has remained anonymous, at least as far as I know so far, uh, decried the diversity in Marvel and used some racial slurs. And he was di- he was complaining about the amount of diversity, not yes. the lack of diversity. He was complaining about it, and he was and basically got racist and and homophobic. And um, so I thought very interesting because Marvel's you know, and there had been an infamous comment a few months ago where they said you know that that's that that they had put diversity in and sales had gone down. I don't think the diversity is why the sales have gone down. There are a lot of reasons why. And all, and, and as we've talked about many times, books across the spectrum, it's just that there are so many different books. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy to say. If people aren't reading those books, I mean, almost all the ones. We were talking about the 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 um, 
What's the adjective? Uh, Hulk. Totally awesome Hulk. Totally awesome Hulk. Ms. Marvel. Uh, Iron Man. And uh, I know I'm missing one. Oh, Captain uh, America. Captain America and Wolverine mm-hmm. have all either changed national origin or sex of the characters involved. And to, my own feelings about Wolverine notwithstanding, I think they're all great books. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And but out of those that you mentioned, I think Ms. Marvel is the only one that I actually read. Oh, well, but it's only because that's just the character. I yeah, I love yeah. that character, and, so, and she is her own Ms. Marvel. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, uh, not a, not to change, but also Moon Girl and uh, but, Devil uh, I, I read that too. I yeah. love that book. Uh, so I just thought it was interesting. While this one retailer and it caused a stir. Uh, and you know, so once again, as, as always is right, you know, there's this, what about diversity in comics and is that sell or not? So I'm going to do a little public service here. Look, milestone is coming back. I love the milestone one line. Yep. Um, I'm going to be honest that I am a little, uh, ambivalent about this return one of the partners in Milestone 2.0 is Reginald Hudlin, the film director, producer, and I think he's a co-owner of BET. Um, he's writing almost every one of the books or co-writing. Mm-hmm. And and one, if you don't like Reginald Hudlin's writing, he had done the the Black Panther, which a lot of the movie seems to be taking from yeah. his run on Black Panther, the Marvel Knights version back in like 2001 or 2002. But if you're not a big fan of his work... Then it's going to be he's going to be all thing. he's going to be all over milestone. Yeah. He's also a busy Hollywood executive, so I'm going to predict that everything they announce here, he's either going to pull back almost immediately, or these books are going to be really off schedule, hmm. really okay. off schedule. Because first, it's going to be come back with a book called Milestone by Reginald Hudlin with the artist Ken Lashley, and that's going to be the book that features Icon and Rocket and kind of goes through the the history of what they're now calling earth m and icon is kind of their superman analog and rocket is a is a and i think there's psychic. a i think there's oh no it's the other way around let's do, let's do this way. okay no, no no let me explain it let okay me explain it so because they're rebooting the whole thing it's starting now from 2018 okay um rather than seeing history so the book milestone will kind of go the the history of this universe the original way it was presented was a city called dakota and there had been an event that's almost like the Marvel Terrigen Mists. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, or, or, so, I'm sorry, uh, Marvel's Terrigen Mist stole from that event. Um, was it even called the Big Bang out at Coney Island or something? Or the, at the th- theme no, park? No, you're getting, I think you're getting the new universe mixed up with that. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, it was the Big Bang. But, the, but, the cloud, but there was like, like yeah. but there was a big fight there, and the, the gas went, went off and, and changed everyone. That was there because right. that's why you had the blood syndicate, right. the gang. It actually at that time felt more like a lift from wild cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, Rocket was this teen girl who broke into the apartment of this uh, of this well, or I guess it was a mansion, really, of this well-to-do uh, black man, and discovered that he was actually an alien and had been living here for 150 years or so. Mm-hmm. And so when you say sidekick so diminishes who she is because she made him become icon. She guilted oh, okay. him into, uh, you know, she was really the math. I mean, you know, he was the the smart one. He had the powers and everything, but she She's was the motivator. 
She was the motivator. She was trying to get him to take on social justice issues. Uh, I loved that book. And, and they dealt, she was such a realistic teen where she also became pregnant. And then you had icon trying to protect her and keep her out of danger. And, and you know, that she was dealing with those issues of, okay, she's a single, going to be a single mom yeah. and suddenly life changes. And that book handled that so beautifully. Yeah. Um, so they're restarting restarting that. And I think something in 2018 is really interesting. When you see what's going on in the world right now, this – and I'm sorry that I cannot remember Icon's name, uh, you know, his secret identity, uh, just a well-to-do business leader in, in the black community. Right. Is there's going to be a special poignancy right now, I think, to having that character having stayed quiet, trying to keep a low prof- profile because – He's really an alien, yeah. But he's been living as a black man for right, a hundred, right, since the right, Civil right. War. Um, you know, it, it, it's um, <laughs> Rocket's going to have a, a lot of righteous, even more so yeah. than before. So I, you know, I love the concept, and I'm hoping that Reginald Hudlin does does right by it. They will, of course, be bringing back Static Shock, and it's called Static Shock, even though look, the character was originally Static. Uh, Hudlin is writing with uh, Kyle Baker, so I could see Kyle just taking over, um, you know, easily, easily. So it's uh, he's a 14 year old kid who loves science and comics and develops electromagnetic superpowers. They also mentioned they're going to there's going to create a character named he's going to meet a character named uh, Amber, who's super powered, who's kind of the uh, as Hudlin put it the the stereotypical white girl who moves into a black neighborhood and she happens to have superpowers. So. Um, that'll be interesting. Greg Pak is the only non Hudlin influenced book writing duo, which is going to be a miniseries revolving around Jake and Julie Chen, a couple who are forced to live in one body. And it's kind of a takeoff. They're saying it's, it's, it's a takeoff on John Rosen's, uh, zombie, which was a X O M B I, yeah. uh, which DC had revived a few years ago as well. I think around new 52 time. And, um, so that basically they're scientists and one is dying. And so she, the wife, gives her cells, her nano nanobot-infused cells to him so they become two consciousness, consciousnesses in one body. This is the kind of thing Greg Pak really excels at, these sci-fi, you know, just kind of what does it mean to be human Still sounds stories. all like Firestorm and Captain Marvel. But, and, but, there, aren't, but there really weren't superpowers to zombie. Right. It's just the right. healing. Um, which, by the way, I, there's a good trade paperback of that, and I absolutely recommend it. Um, really cool, especially the revival was a really. It really cool turns internal thing. monologue into internal dialogue, though. Yeah, and it's, like, yeah, it's a, you know, it's yeah. a, what was the name of the Heinlein book? Uh, Fear no, hear no, see no evil. Fear no evil. That's, Fear no evil. That's the one about the brain. The two, the, the the guy brain transplant. Uh, the, yeah, 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 and the consciousness of the of the. So the, the name you were searching for, uh, the alien's name was. Arnus, A-R-N-U-S, and the uh, the uh, secret entity is Augustus Freeman the fourth. All right, because he was also the first, the second, and the third. Who was the Who is the Iron Man analog? Hardware, hardware. That's right. So I think hardware is probably going to be in the milestone book. I like the idea that he he jumped down his bat pole and the the armor kind of assembled on him as he went down. Well, this and in tube. the Static revival in New Fifty Two, which was not a great revival, um, hardware was part of the static shock uh, uh-huh. universe like he was bankrolling virgil um 
And uh, so then Hudlin's also doing a, a book called Love Army, which is introducing a secret army of female planetary protectors with amazing abilities and super strength. And then uh, there's a new vigilante, com- a new character for what they're with a writer named Alice Randall that the book is going to be called Earth M. So a lot of plans, but at least a few, couple of them are acknowledged as miniseries. I still don't see any characters from the Blood Syndicate. I don't see... Which was one of the more interesting It was books. a very interesting book, and I think could very well be. But still, yeah. It, but I think maybe Milestone, even though they're announcing it as Icon and Rocket, it it may become more anthology, or mm. almost what their team book was The Shadow Cabinet. That may yeah. become more yeah, yeah. like that. I'm all, I'm all for keeping it in its own separate universe. I... I, I, I like that idea because I just want that book to breathe. It's not like DC doesn't know how to cross universes every now and then. Right. But what I I want to call out here is that one name, and we've talked about this before, is conspicuously absent from this. Uh, he claims he, you know, online has said he has no hard feelings about it, but, well, I'm sure he does have some, but you know, Michael Davis, who created Static, and I'm really sorry to see that in every... Uh, news article that I've read about this Milestone revival, He's nobody missing. acknowledges it. He's not part of Milestone 2.0. That's been controversial. Nate Costa and I've talked about it many times and tried to figure out. I reached out to Michael uh, over the weekend and said I'd like to acknowledge you know, you don't have to make a statement just um, what else is going on for you so that I can uh, well, I shouldn't say what else. I know that he and Wayne Brady at Comic-Con announced a new line as well called Level Up Comics, um, which was going to be an initiative on both sides to create diverse characters, but also to bring in diverse creators. Um, so I, I wanted to just like clarify what his position was with that, and he has not responded to me as of this podcast. Right. Um, I know Michael likes to keep things close to the vest. He, uh, he's a great guy. I... I I, I love him, and it's just uh, the constant le- erasing him from this history when almost everything about Static is him, literally his life. So you don't think he's going to get a creator credit on the page of... Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I hope... That's been a pretty solid trend for I, a lot of books lately. I hope so, but that's a legal issue, and yeah. I don't know if he had a contract that said it. And Michael is one of those creators that if you're just a casual fan or you came to it from, you know, watching Static Shock on the WB right. or, what, you know, whatever it may be. And and I admit it, when I first met him was at a pro-fan trivia contest and I said, I I got to admit, I, I, I'm sorry, you're you're hilarious. I, I loved working with you on this, but I don't know who you are. And he faked, you know, Umbridge and said, you know, did and that he created static. And once the more I got into it, it was like, yeah, because he's kind of been erased from everything. Mm-hmm. But what he's been as a professional is an, an inspirer, an educator. And he's – one of the things we've talked about in comics is, like, nobody talks about the dirty secret of, gee, how many video game comics go to, like, GameStop and that are better sellers or that we're not seeing in comic book shops because that's simply not where they're getting distributed. Michael's got an educational comics line that's in in schools all across the country, uh, but they're not sold in, in stores. So you know, he doesn't get the 
and I'm using my air quotes, right, mainstream comics press attention for this kind of stuff. He writes for uh, comicmix.com and occasionally for Bleeding Cool. He does a, does columns. Um, you know, and he calls himself the master of the universe. And, and uh, I, I, I really want to be able to cover Level Up, and I really want Level Up to do well. Uh-huh. And I want Milestone to do well. I just want them to acknowledge right. him. You know, and uh, so there we go. This is one of the podcasts that will say it. Like Michael Davis is is great, and you would not have. There are characters Doesn't diminish them at all to acknowledge. A no, creator. I mean you know it's Dennis Cohen and Derek Dingler are still involved, and Dwayne McDuffie was involved, and and they may have done much of the heavy lifting of of Milestone larger, but inarguably their most popular character is Static, and that is Michael. And you know, I don't. I don't think he he worked on it much past setting up the Bible, but he he set it up. And yeah. so let's call him out there. Let's go to what's in the bag. Happier news, right? What what can you buy in a comic book shop today? Today? Yes. Well, let's see. Today, what did you buy in a comic book shop today? Ah, uh, let's start with the Defenders number mm. six, which I'm. I pulled this out. Did you get the lenticular? No, I didn't. No. I, 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 there were, I mean, there was way too many lenticular covers. I only got one, and it was just the one that had been put in the bag. I have for a me. criticism of the lenticular. Is it literally today looking at them? Yeah, they're way too busy. I didn't know what book I was actually trying to pick up. They're way too busy. Yeah, you can you can almost always see part of both images in them. Yeah. Um, and I I just don't know. And it's it's Marvel. Let's call it's Marvel because. DC, on the other hand, has some very subtle. The new issue of Superman came out today, and it is a very subtle uh, Superman sh- face shift. You know, I even bought the last issue of the Button crossover with yeah. the lenticular cover. I usually stay away from those. Were actually covers, really, I think, but they were so cool. I had to have at I least think, one. I think I think DC, DC, and especially in that run of covers, did really good work working within the limits of lenticular. And Marvel kind of said, "Let's over-engineer this," and and kind of blew out. It's like it's like putting a, an amplifier on too loud and blowing your speakers out, and then you. Got and at nothing. the same time, there's like still three or four other alternate covers for that issue. Yeah, yeah, it, it's too much. Yeah, it's and ridiculous. and you know, um, and hey, Marvel, that's why sales are down. Diverse covers, maybe, <laughs> but not diverse <laughs> characters. How many of those are getting returned? So anyway, defenders. Issue six, uh, of course, it has Deadpool on the cover, which is going to be a bump for sales. Uh, he actually appears in like the last three pages. All right. Well. Um, but this is a, a part one of, uh, of Kingpins of New York. Um, there was actually a, a surprise that I didn't see coming in this issue. Um, and I think the the characters in this magazine are working much better together than they did on the Netflix show. And I, I, I then the the news the letters pages agreed like they really ought to be pulling from these books instead of having whatever they're doing with those long drawn out um you know the the, the additional scenes where it has no yeah. no superhero action yeah. going on um so defenders uh solid book great place to jump on because you're getting in on part one of kingpins in new york which looks like it's going to be a and solid let me say story. i'm hoping deadpool actually continues because it was a running joke in deadpool that uh, under Jerry Duggins, that he was trying to, uh, he had teamed up with Luke Cage and Power Man in the seventies. I don't know if you read those. 
but I don't. I vaguely remember. But he had teamed. Up, look them up on uh, on Marvel Comics Unlimited. He had he had teamed up with them. They had and begrudgingly, like they did not want him to, and so. But he kept identifying himself as a hero for hire, and they were very frustrated that he kept claiming to be their teammate, which David Walker kind of picked up in in Power Man and Iron Fist when he was basically having you know Danny saying the team's back together, and and, and Luke Cage is like no, 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 no. no. (laughs) So the the, he shows up on um, page uh, twenty, I think it is. Is that a Netflix? Yes, sweatshirt. There's, a, there's a Netflix sweatshirt. He's wearing a Netflix sweatshirt, eating a hamburger with a, a Deadpool um, bag, promotional bag on his lap. Um, and he's he's in the alias detective agency uh, offices being pitched. Uh, apparently, he owes Jessica a favor. And she's saying, you do this and you'll be clear with us. But he says, so she says, uh, help us and you and I are square. And the the word balloon coming off of net off of uh, Netflix off of Deadpool is Rob Low voice colon that is literally the literally the best offer I've had in the last nineteen pages. <laughs> so um, a Parks and Rec joke. That's <laughs> great. Um, all right. So for, next on my stack will be uh, from DC. Ragman came back today. Oh, I didn't see that. Uh-huh, the uh-huh, tattered uh-huh. Demolition. The tattered Demalion, yes. Uh, guy, I want to say Guy Fox. I don't think that's the uh, Guy Ray, Fox Ray tried Fox. to blow up. Uh, right, it's it's uh, Ray Fox, yes, and Inaki Miranda is the oh, artist. Ad for uh, Doomsday Clock. Yes. Um, so I haven't, uh, you know, I, I I don't, I haven't read it yet because this is what happens when we record the podcast. Is I I run to the shop, pick up my books, and then go okay. Uh, I remember fondly the original run of Ragman. I, it was Joe Kubert art. It was yeah. the original, the way original. There's and been then, a couple of revivals. Well, it was Kubert, and I think he had one of the. Um, they had just had an influx of of uh, artists from South America. I, I want to mm. say Nestor, Nestor Redondo, Redondo, maybe doing inks, maybe on top of maybe. Kubert. Well, that was a that was a beautiful yeah. combo. Uh, anyway, so Ragman, um, you know, again, clearly the. The later edition, when he first came out, he, he, the first version was just a he was kind much of low more like rent, Spawn, a low rent Batman. He didn't have powers. He was just the suit was rags in the seventies, and then they added this thing where the rags were souls, and now it's supernatural. Yeah. And this is clearly picking that up. Uh, it's kind of a uh, you know. So I I'm this is one of those titles that i went sight unseen the characters a cool character a lot of potential let's see what they do so i've got to make a note to go back and pick that up because i really missed that one yeah all right see see people we do it to ourselves (laughs) i don't know what it is but go ahead we 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 remind ourselves we remind each other that we need to go pick things up um so i'm gonna go next to Issue number two, because it's I think it's been six months since issue number one of Call Eternal, um, which I'm still I'm still enjoying this book, <laughs> second issue in. Can you say still? There's only two it's, issues. No, it's, <laughs> but it's been six months. <laughs> I hope you still know where you put number one, because I, I, got, I know your memory. I, I've, I've got to go back and, and reread number one. Um, this is uh, Robert E. Howard's Call, which was uh, in a prehistory that predated Conan's prehistory. Uh, Played by Kevin Sorbo cinematically. Indeed. And Cull is uh, a barbarian who who claimed the throne with a with an axe. With the, by this axe I rule. 
Um, it was a very, very short run of short stories that Howard did that were the lead up to him actually doing Conan. In fact, some of the Cole books, Cole short stories got rewritten As Conan. with Conan stories. But in this, the, the twist in this is that uh, Cole's more like the Highlander who he's lived through the ages and he's shown up in various uh, guises in wars and stuff. And it's part, it takes place modern day, but he's still fighting uh, the, the serpent men, which were the big bads in the original mm-hmm. series, which were men who were, were serpents that would transform into men, but they couldn't say the phrase. Remember the phrase? No. Kanama Kalajirama. No, I, don't, I never read any of the cult books. Okay, well that was that was. I the saw phrase. the movie, so now you know the phrase. Can you say that for me, Derek? Shazam. Okay, um, and uh, this this is a, an IDW book uh, at three ninety nine. Um, so as almost all IDW books are. So uh, yes, so that's my recommendation. There we go. Well, I'm going to ask. So what's the difference between that uh, between this take on Cull and say Highlander Armstrong? Uh Different. Well, you you still got the supporting cast of uh, Brule, the spear carrier. Uh, he was his partner, and it's a, d- a different vibe than okay. Ar- Archer I, and Armstrong is a little more fun. I think. <laughs> okay, I don't know if that's the way you want to put it. Like, well, that book's fun. This one is well, I mean, six months late. <laughs> <laughs> this one's a little more, uh, a little more uh, brooding, brutish. No, adventure. I like the I like the cover. I'm just yeah. I, I have no idea. I you know I'm not. I, and I, I don't have any, uh, so, you know, other than having seen the film and knowing it's Robert E. Howard. Right. I don't have an. I take that back. I I did buy one issue when Marvel did like a cull special, and I think it was like uh, John Bolton might have done some Ooh, art. That would be good. Yeah. That was eighties. It was like great yeah. art on really bad paper, and yeah. it was Marvel book. That's all Still. I remember. No, no offense to Marvel because all books were like that. Uh, my next is another DC book, Gotham City Garage. This is actually a Perry Jones recommendation. So I went to the store last night because I've been out of town for a couple of weeks. And I said, uh, and uh, so I picked up books and he said, hey, do you want the, to get Gotham City Garage tomorrow? And I said, I don't even know what it is. So remember they had, they had statues of the Gotham City Sirens basically as motorcycle uh, women. So this was online. They were selling these digitally, like the eight-page stories things. And he said, "And he said, I read it. It's actually really good. I think you want it." Raphael Albuquerque is uh, do, doing the art. Oh, he's good. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I like Raphael Albuquerque, and uh, because he's the guy that drew Huck, yeah, for Mark Miller, yeah. yeah. And Wes Abbott is right. I, I, no, I take that back. He's not. Uh, our, oh no, sorry. The cover was by Raphael. Uh, Albuquerque, the art is by Brian Ching, and oh. the story is by Colin Kelly and Jackson. I, I don't know who they are. No offense, I, I literally just don't know your Luther? names. Uh, yeah, so it looks like Lex is involved, Batman's involved, Supergirl. It's kind of, you know, they're they're playing around with kind of the, the 50s biker gang kind of Interesting. culture. Um, you know, so I'm looking forward to this read. It came recommended to me. I'm like, all right, this was one that Elusive uh, put in my box because they thought I'd like it. And it's funny how many of the the digital books, when they bring them to the to print, end up being kind of like very good, because I think they take more chances with the digital stuff because the production risk is lower. I think that's a that's an interesting point. So it's a good proving ground for good, finding the good stories and then taking it's, them to print. And I think DC does a is a universe that can withstand these alternate takes better than Marvel can. I agree. 
And I mean, because I think that's the big problem with Secret Empire. I don't think Secret Empire was a bad story. I think that Marvel trained us to believe there were no alternates outside right. of What If. Yeah, yeah. And even though they had, Alan Moore had introduced all those alternate Earths. But DC is constantly doing stuff. You had Tangent. You had, you know, right. you had Amalgam. And even though that was also Marvel, it's still, right. you think of it as a DC. So, yeah, that's mine. So go ahead to yours. Good. I'm going to fake you out. I'm not actually going to go to metal. It was on my stack. My actual you third item. jerk. You can do metal last if you want. No, I know. I'm going to do this because I don't think you have this. So I've been, we've been talking about a late night exercise, and I just got a, a new piece of exercise equipment in the mail. We're talking books, people. <sighs> oh. This is the Bronze Age Swamp Thing Omnibus, which um, it's it's a pretty package. It's uh, very nice paper. It's a well-bound, uh, at least, least four and a half uh, inches thick, you know. Um, oh, I want it, but it's too big. It's, it's yeah, I, and I was thinking of you as I, as I was reading it because it wasn't, it wasn't that it was hard to hold. It's just I keep on having to tilt it because it's a it's it's a it's a coated stock. Whereas I've never read this stuff on coated stock. It was always on yeah on dull it was paper. On newsprint, yeah. And so now I have to find an angle that the shine or not of newsprint, the light, whatever that was, yeah. The, the shine of the light is not obscuring oh, part of the I page. Oh, but I totally want that. Um, and it's got here's here's what you're gonna love. Um, they went back and. They have a forward in here by Len Wein so are you that was written in 1991. And I want to say this. Um, they have one last. And I'm sorry because this week DC has been running, or last week maybe was running the Len Wein tribute in the back. Yes. And um, and a nice a nice tribute. Yeah. Nice. And I saw that photo and I think, yeah, that's Len in the best of health. Yes, when I had met him, yes. and uh, you know, at other comment, not just in the pro fan trivia, you know, we talk at other cons. So he had a t shirt on and a, yeah. like a denim oh, jacket he, on top of that. Well, that's what how Len was always dressed. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I would say that it's like, hey, hey, have you seen Len Wein? Is he walking the floor? And somebody says, well, how will I know him? I say because his shirt either says Swamp Thing or Wolverine, and his baseball cap says either Swamp Thing <laughs> or Wolverine, uh, and he's got a denim shirt on. Um, but uh, there is one last story. Ah. There is one last Swamp Thing story. He had he had plotted. Kelly Jones is finishing it, and oh, it's going nice. to be in a Swamp Thing special for Christmas. Oh, that's awesome! And uh, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I'm having a sensitive week, obviously, with a lot, of, a lot of things. But when I saw Len's picture in, in again, it just brought it back. I was like, I really liked that guy. And I'm no. not saying that just as a writer. I really liked that guy. And um, you know, I'm I'm pleased that we're going to get one last story. Yeah. So anyway, so anyway, it. this 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 has uh, in the in the forward he tells the story of how he and Bernie Wrightson got together to write the original House of, House of yeah. Secrets, like it's like six pages long, and then, um, and then he, he talks about how they they didn't want to go back to it, how they were yeah, kind of, it was like beneath them, and then then they decided they could go ahead and do another one that was kind of like the same story but not the same characters and that's when it was born yeah he kind of tells that story on the justice league dark uh ah. video uh the, the is movie. it his voice then or no he tells the story they they do a documentary they just interview okay him, so he's talking they did, yeah. yeah so um which again i recommend it's not a bad movie but the extras on that are fantastic because the origin of the swamp thing so this this does have the original uh house of secrets number 92 swamp thing story and then swamp thing one through twenty-four, 
Um, and then uh, Saga of the Swamp Thing, where they came back, and or actually where they brought it back, and this is where it goes. And Len to, edited it. Yeah, yeah Tom Yates. Um, I can't remember who wrote that. Uh, it wasn't Len writing. Martin Pasco. Like Mar- oh, Marty. Okay. Martin Pasco wrote most of the uh, uh, another friend. So yeah, the Saga of the Swamp Thing, and that's through nineteen, and then Saga of the Swamp Thing Annual Number One, which oddly enough. The annual is an adaptation of the movie. No, I remember that. I have yeah. them, I have them all. So I had them all. I shouldn't say now. But know. yeah, this is. I mean, you know. now let me see. So the last book that I picked up, there's a quote on it. Uh, the title of the book is called A Tomahawk. It's from Image Comics. It's oversized, issue zero. So I get the feeling this might have been a web comic or something. It clearly existed in some other form that I just don't know. Um, but uh, had a quote from Grant Morrison a tomahawk is a screaming black hole feedback squall of death metal Kirby cosmic (laughs) energy spinning straight towards your prefrontal cortex and I thought this is why I don't need to do drugs and uh, but he he, he diagrams that sentence inside doesn't he (laughs) (laughs) four pages no it's actually inserted directly into my brain Ah. by uh, Angram but, uh, you know, the cover does seem very um, Kirby-esque and yeah. Walt Simonson yeah. at the same time. And um, it's just, it's it's a Kirby, yeah, cosmic Kirby pastiche. And uh, I am really looking forward to this. Simplified somewhat, but I love that it's a different format. It's a different size. It's just... Uh, that sure looks like it was a webcomic before. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, five ninety nine. so I thought a reasonable price. It's oversized. It's oversized. I just wanted to give it a shot. Yeah. And uh, so that's that's it. That's a, a, a tomahawk. Cool. A-T-O-M-A-H-A-W-K. Uh, so let's get to movies. Because, look, we, you're all listening to this going, yeah, but did you watch football this week? No, I did not. <laughs> uh, but I did watch the trailer for The I saw Last the trailer Jedi. silent the first time. I was I was in a place where they had the TV volume turned down. I was working all day going, okay, oh, that's right. I want to make sure that I get out get in time. And then one of my coworkers said, you want to just grab dinner? And I still had to work. And I was like, yeah, let's grab dinner, and then I'll come back and finish it up. And then totally forgot. And then somebody, then uh, Stephanie texted me and said, the trailer, did you watch the trailer? I'm like, what? Oh, crap. <laughs> so <laughs> fast on the line. And, and then bought tickets of course because tickets went on sale immediately yeah uh so um yeah what a trailer yeah i didn't see any big spoilers there were lots of people complaining about oh the big spoiler i'm like yeah i think if you think any of that was a spoiler you just haven't been paying attention yeah i i thought just give me the good images um there's one like we can talk about it off the air but but, yeah no i i I, and i'm not even sure it's real but i think there was definitely a narrative to the trailer that was trying to set you up to believe one thing yeah might happen if you were taking this literally but i've watched enough trailers to know sure there's no way that's actually how it's going down i think the significant thing to we learned from this trailer is porgs the sound porgs make when they <laughs> scream point. when they try to do impersonations of Chewbacca. I think it was mostly that um, that uh, Mark Hamill actually has lines in this movie. I love it, and I'm seeing commentary. It's like you know he's like raspy. It's like well, you know he's old, he's 68. He's raspy right now. He's 68, and I'm like yeah, and I, and I know him. He's he's raspy, but it's also like someone said like this is the performance of his life, and I'm like yeah. I mean this is. 
it. This is right. This is the performance uh, he's waiting all his life, life to give. Literally, <laughs> you know. How old was he when he made the movie first? Twenty. So he's been waiting forty-eight years. Yeah, twi- over twice as long as he had been alive at the time that he made yeah. It the first. Yeah, yeah. and and his as he used to tell people. I don't know if he still does, but you know, it, he had told me the first time we met that um, that George Lucas had told him in Tunisia. Hope you're still around in 2015 because you have a job, <laughs> and we'll get back around to it. So, you know, George Lucas now denies he ever planned to do that, but it's like Mark used to tell that story all the time. Yeah. So, um, uh, again, the big thing is you know porgs, uh, the <laughs> porgs, porgs, uh, stuffed porgs. No, what I really like is parboiled uh, porgs. Is they were inspired by where they were shooting at that island. Um, there were puffins. On the island, uh, and so uh, Ryan Johnson said, "We need something that is like that." And then they all went, "They're too cute," and then went, uh, "We're going with them anyway." And uh, I, they're going to be the breakout. And I'm, I'm, I, I think it's just because I am as old as I am, and I love seeing little kids absolutely responding to porgs in a way that when I was seventeen, I did not like everybody going Ewok crazy. Yeah. But I had to argue with somebody. I'm like, you know, I got over the Ewoks because, look, my son was totally wicked obsessed. Yeah. And it's true. We must remember that at heart, this is the entitlement of fans again, right? You know, right. is that at heart, these were meant to be children's movies that spun out of control and became something epic, epically cultural. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know that it was originally meant as a, as a children's movie, but I, I mean, it was just supposed to be a sci-fi throwback for George Lucas, but it I became something learned, else. They've learned their lesson though, because I doubt that they're going to initially portray the porgs as cannibals and then have them be cute again, you know, and I think it's because I've watched return of the Jedi so rarely. Yeah. Didn't really occur to me until, uh, <laughs> Bonnie Bartlett told us that, yeah. you know, that, uh, you know, uh, not Bonnie Bartlett is Bonnie Burton? Burton. Yeah. When Bonnie Burton said that on the podcast. I do love the name Bonnie Bartlett. It's a good one. I'm saying, you know, I'll get it later. Put it down in your writing journal. Yeah. Secret Identity uh, Index. Uh, That uh, when Bonnie Burton said that, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you're totally right. And yet, uh, it never (laughs) occurred to me, but it's also like, it didn't occur to me that the Ewoks, that the scene where, I remember the scene where the Ewok was like, his buddy was dead. I remember being. It didn't occur to me in that scene they were playing dead in the first place. Uh, and then the one gets up and goes like, yeah, it's safe now. And the other one's dead. Actually dead. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, no. I clearly have not watched those movies enough. Or maybe I have. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, You just know that this this is just part you have to get past to get to the good part of the movie. I'm just saying, I saw New Hope like at least 20 times in the theater. Yeah. I saw Empire Strikes Back at least 10 times in the theater. Yeah. Return of the Jedi, I went to opening day, I saw it again a week later, and I did not watch it again until, I think I watched it when it came out on LaserDisc. Oh, okay. I had a roommate that had the LaserDisc, so we watched it one day. So that, that goes three times, and then I watched it when it was theatrically released and took my nieces and nephews to I see it. I think that's not unusual for trilogies that you watch the first, that you, you're... All the action is penned up for the last one, and yeah. then it's kind of never going to li- live up to the expectation. So I think so. there it is. Every character I wanted to see is there. I don't want to speculate about plot. I no. just want to say Porg. Uh, oh, it's fun oh. to say Porg. 
Uh, and uh, and we shall see. Parboiled pork. Oh, it's the other white meat. Yeah, yeah. It's totally. Uh, mm, have a little pork shoulder. Uh, the new Justice League trailer came out as well. Yes. It looks funnier. It does. I love the fact that Aquaman sounds like a cowboy. Okay, it's not quite any version of Aquaman we've had before, but no. it's sort of, it riffs off of what the Brave and the Bold cartoon a bit, did a, bit. a little bit, but it's also largely Jason Momoa. He's but, still Arthurian Arthur. But I will tell yeah. you that that if, if Jason Momoa makes everybody think that Aquaman is as cool as Jason Momoa, yeah. I'm okay with that. I, I started by saying I love that he's a cowboy now. <laughs> I loved him screaming. I loved him being thrown through the air by Cyborg. You know? like, that was kind of cool. It's like the fastball special. And I want to say that Cyborg is getting short shrift in this, though. In all this, it's like that poor guy, because his movie's taken off the schedule. They're not talking about Cyborg as a solo film anymore. Yeah. I think they're probably going to play out enough of the origin there. But he's really not in the trailer as anything other than, oh, yeah, there's Cyborg. Mm-hmm. And that really bums me out, especially when, as I've said, you sit in a movie theater and the trailer for Black Panther comes on, and just the energy that goes to this room, right? And you know, it's like, oh yeah, it's time. Come on, man, give. If you're gonna bother with Cyborg, and you should, I mean, he's an interesting, interesting character. At least give him equal time. In the, I mean, I realize too, you got to play a lot of gal. I'm sorry. I've been corrected on my pronunciation yet again. Gull, ball, gall. So it's gall. Uh, I have a Russian friend who said that, who, who's uh, Jewish, and said that it's gall, like rhyming with ball. Gall Gadot oh. is how to actually pronounce her name, which nobody right. on Saturday Night Live did correctly last week. They got her last name right, which a lot of people don't. No, yes. Yeah, so it's Gall Gadot, and and uh, you're going to focus on her in the trailer because Wonder Woman is huge. Yeah. Uh, I get that, but you. But you, as you know, a lot of Aquaman. They gave Ezra Miller. They gave the Flash a personality and some good lines and some good lines. I'm going to like that Flash. I think the thing. I Commissioner J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon. I think appears more in the trailer than Ray Fisher as Cyborg. Hmm. And so I'm just going to call it out there. Make it right. Maybe the movie does. I don't know. Or put Cyborg back well, on. We don't, and we don't know anything really about the nope. movie. Nope. But we do know that in the um, in the comic, Cyborg is pretty fundamental in the fight with Darkseid because he's yeah. got Mother Box components, which we do know from one of the trailers has shown that, and yeah. actually Batman v Superman showed so, that as well. So there could be they could be holding him back because it's kind of like their big twists for the movie, and. Maybe in, a, in an amazing sense of self-control, they are actually holding some stuff back from the movie. Maybe. I don't know. That's adorable, Rick. That's adorable. <laughs> I, I, uh, <laughs> it's been a good day, please. Has it? That's it's good for nice you. Day. Did you get... Did, I, I want us did, the movies today. Did you get a new power pole? No. Uh, yeah, that's true. Well, we, we I can add this in right now, is that you saw Blade Runner 2049. I, I saw Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Uh, that... Uh, that number refers to how many minutes it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, otherwise... It's not bad if you take a zero. <laughs> it is. 249. No, no, no. It's it's one... No, it's... No, it's not three. 249 is four hours. This is... Uh, no, I mean, it's two hours and 49 minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess... It's, 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 I think it's two hours and 40 minutes. Uh, it's... it's 
too long. It's about 40 minutes too long. Yeah. And, and I hate to say that. I hate, I always hate when people say that about these movies. It's just but it's given how, yeah, beautifully shot. I, given how it was shot, though, I'd be hard, I'd be hard pressed to edit it down. You know, no, I've already told you which scenes you could you could cut at least five minutes here. Yeah, I mean, I, there are whole scenes that could disappear. That's true, and 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 keep the uh, the beautiful beautifully shot stuff. Yeah, I think there's some really interesting Philip K. Dick uh, yes. answers, and I think that if you had not been beholden to Harrison Ford being in it, um, you could have been as ambiguous as the first one and really focused on an interesting plot involving Ryan Gosling right. and. Uh, and Joy. Yep. I think the character true. of Joy. I and I thought that was something really, really interesting. And I, I was totally surprised about the character Joy. I, I'm thinking this is just going to be another one of those, like, so robotic, I icing know. the body electric kind of things going on. So well yeah. done. And, it, they, and they, didn't even, they didn't even pound it into your head that she's an AI. You know, the, yeah. originally you're thinking, oh, she's responding to voice commands he's done, but she's an AI. She has developed a personality. She has developed attachments. And I don't want to go further because yeah. people are going to listen and watch this. I don't think that. Actually, you know what? I'm going to. No, I'm not going to spoil, but I'm going to say what I really appreciated, and maybe that is to the film's detriment in marketing, is that I really had no idea of any of the things that were truly important to the plot. I agree. And I'd watch those trailers over and over, kind of hard to avoid for someone that we, you know, like us, and that I went in not knowing a, a really significant plot element that's revealed in the first five minutes. I'm right there with you. And went, cool. And I'm, I'm thinking about this going out, I'm going, can that really be called a spoiler? Because you get it right away, but it is a spoiler. Yeah. And it's a fundamental spoiler. And uh, so I, I, I give credit. But then on the flip side is some people are saying, well, you know, it's kind of tanking at the box office. And the thing is, let us remember, and I guess here's my here's my disappointment with it is, I when I saw Blade Runner, I think I was in high school, and I think it was 82. So I was still in high school, and I came out of that movie loving that movie and enthusiastic about that movie and the fact that people didn't like it or that it wasn't making money didn't make sense to me and so we have to remember that it is a cult film and yes. and it's as cult film sequels almost never you know they're just I don't know it, it's just they're hard to market to an audience that may not know the original there's a whole generation of film goers who have not, who had not seen the first one, and uh, you know. Well, yeah, I, I talked to a number of people who are saying, you know, I tried to watch it and I just didn't. It is one of my absolute favorite movies. Yeah, and I I really appreciated hearing uh, the score, which was evocative, but not a and I, note I'm for blanking note. On, I was just trying to look up the the it's Vangelis music and was, and um, what's his name. Uh, guy did inception and um my is it not michael giacchino it's no. uh, uh i don't know i i don't remember let's i, I don't want to bog down on that but but i mean it's i thought that his music fit this movie i was kind of like going i love vangelis i love that soundtrack for the first movie i thought that the the new music fit this movie better than vangelis's 
harmonic real no he brought a lot of vangelis into it and and definitely you know that it was evocative of vangelis without being strictly true an imitation of of vangelis and so i i there's much to admire about the movie i'm not so sure i loved it yet and i guess that's my disappointment is that i i do remember just walking out of the first one loving it and this i just kind of felt well that was interesting i definitely want to see it again in a theater and I, I want to see it, and oddly enough, uh, I want to see it again. And I saw it in 3D, and I think this is definitely a movie to see in 3D. I, I did not see it in 3D. So the, that's just all the all the imagery that gets projected outside of flat panels and stuff and into spaces, and then there's one scene where you have a human and an image kind of converging. All right, now that I could imagine that, was, that being that was pretty, pretty amazing. Okay, so I, yeah. I do want to. Okay, so highly I recommend might, 3D I might, for this I don't one. know. Problem. The other thing, the other problem I think with movies right now is just that, like, it's already well. If I do, if I see Blade Runner a second time, yeah, then I'm going to miss like three other things I wanted to catch. It's in true, a and it's and there aren't a lot of I there aren't a lot of showings already that are 3D of, of yeah. Blade Runner well, but, in but, town. But, but what I mean is, is it's just you know it, it's hard to keep up with everything you want to do. And when we talk about the Last Jedi, I mean already so we've already got tickets, and this is. Uh, it does bother me that I had to buy tickets two months in advance to be able to, you know, I miss the days that you could just go and do things. You know, I didn't bother because when, uh, when Force Awakens came, I didn't have any trouble getting into the theater. Yeah, I just wanted... I, I, you, I bought, want, you, bought one for, you bought two tickets, Yeah, right? two for, tickets, yeah. one for myself, one for Luke. And it's just because I, I want... It's become, you know, the annual, I, for whatever, it's been the luck of the draw. I've been, I've had him the weekend that, that uh, a Star Wars movie opens. And so it's become our thing. So, you know, it's, uh, I, I want to continue it and make sure I was. The other, the only other movie news that I want, I want to bring up is uh, Sony today has announced they're trying, they're circling around making a Settlers of Catan movie. Oh my God. I had heard this. <laughs> okay, then that's all I needed. I needed your expert opinion, and I just heard your expert opinion. Uh, uh, <laughs> Hans Zimmer was the other the name I couldn't think of. Oh, Hans Zimmer, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I played Settlers of Catan. I know you have lots, um, and I have to say that I expected to be probably better than the Battleship movie. High praise. Uh, so <laughs> low bar, high praise. Low bar, uh, low bar. Uh, let's go to TV news. Just wanted to say that uh, Spielberg is in talks to revive Amazing Stories for Apple. So I'm. My my only real TV stuff tonight is that people are complaining. So the CW TV shows returned. Yeah, uh, this is the big week I think for everything. But it, but Supergirl was last week maybe, and uh, the ratings are down. And I think it's because we are so distracted. There's so much, but I think there's just so much. To, we are so distracted. What's going on in the world is well. Yeah, you know there are big swaths of the country right now that they got more important things to do than watch TV. You can't breathe the air outside, right now. No, I cannot. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you know I, I did. I did watch the Flash, and I, I was like, oh, that's right, it was. You know, it's this week, um, and it just felt like, yeah, I'm such a state of. I actually stress. caught up on Arrow, which I mean, I've. Yeah. I've I've spent the summer, the last couple of seasons, I spent the summer catching up on it because I never watched it when it was on yeah. in primetime. And 
actually really liked the, like the last five episodes of the last season, which ends up with a huge cliffhanger, but in fact wrapped up so much of what had gone on through the whole series. Yeah. Like really wrapped it up, tied it up in a bow, cut the, so they can go anywhere now. And they can literally take this plot line anywhere. And they will. Yeah. So, so you know. That one. But, I mean, you've got you've got the new Star Trek. You've got the Orville. You've got, you've got um, you know, all the WB stuff. You've got an actually a CW. Go- CW. Uh, all the, a Gotham that looks interesting this season. More interesting than it has in the past, perhaps. Okay. Um, Supergirl. Uh, Flash. Uh, we just got a new episode of uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, um, that's all the that's, CW stuff. Right okay, now. and now uh, and then if you're into it, Riverdale and uh, The Tick. Uh, all the stuff that you can just go and you can get streaming if you haven't watched all the Netflix there's Marvel so much. stuff. There's so much. It, yeah. it, it is. Uh, I guess I last night. You know, hey, do you want me to say Big Little Lies for you? Mm-hmm. And and I said, no. <laughs> No, and it wasn't to be. It was just like yeah, there's like, so many things that right. I want to watch. I'm it's so behind. Probably a solid like, B, I'll, but I'm behind I'll, my A's. I, yeah, you, pretty much. Uh, Archer. That's one I haven't caught up on. Uh, you know. So yeah, yeah. There's, there's just, a new season of Archer. Or you are, there you will are, be, but you I'm, didn't so, catch I'm, up on I, the yeah, last I gotta, season. I got to catch up on Netflix, and then uh, Archer. And, and then today I was reading. A, I saw a little article about an interview with Carla Cugino about. Uh, Gerald's Game, and I went, oh, that's right, Gerald's Game was dropped on Netflix last week, right. and I want to watch that. Oh, God, I've got to watch that during the daytime, though. <laughs> yeah, so, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I I can't do that, but it, it's just, you know... It's Saturday, little, it's but not with Luke. Time. No, no, yeah, exactly. Uh, so we'll see. Sunday may be, a, may be one of my stay-home-and-veg days. I don't have my son this weekend, and... Uh, Sunday would be my day to watch TV. So that is yet another one of the film, one of the Stephen King books that they were saying this will never be filmable, and people are raving about it. Yeah. So you know, there's there's so much on, and that's it. Will uh, you thank you for giving us your time <laughs> when you could be watching a superhero TV show? You're listening to Fanboy Planet, and you've listened this far. Thank you so much. Once again, you want to check out our Amazon link. You want to check out uh, Think Geek. Uh, go through FanboyPlanet.com. If you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. We will be, uh, you know, you notice we, I didn't run it, just give you an interview this week from Comic-Con because I thought I knew that the Rick and Morty Szechuan scandal was going to take up so much time. Yeah. So uh, we'll be, I do have at least one more from Comic-Con, and then I will be going down to Kamikaze and getting more of the Stan Lee one. As uh, our friend Mike Wellman, uh, owner of the comic bug in Manhattan Beach, is running the Comics Pavilion. Cool. So almost all the talent there. So I've already reached out to him. We'll, we'll have a few things. And going. I'm going to DocCon, the Doc Savage Convention in Phoenix, Arizona. Have fun with that. I, I, I think, I think this is fun. my fourth year in a row. I know. I know. It's fun. Yes. Uh, and David Avalone will be there. He will. So say hi to David for me. Uh, so anyway, that, that's that's all we have for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And I'm Rick Snyder, reminding you to use your powers only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast.
Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatluke.com.